0: Say you're doing like a knee-dominant day, and you're going back to those A through D exercises, and you're doing all knee-dominant, quad-dominant, if you jump into all of that volume too soon, then you can start coming into more, you know, tendinopathies and irritating other parts of the body. Say you took time off your hip, but now you get back into all of that, and now the knee starts
1: bothering. Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation, including rehab, performance, and education.
2: Hey guys, welcome back to the Training Room Talk podcast powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. My name is Dr. Max LePage, and I am here with Dr. Nisha Myers.
3: Hello, how are you guys doing?
2: Dr. Troy Cuck, What's up, guys? And Dr. John Herding. Hey,
1: everyone, how are you?
2: And this is going to be the first episode of a six part. So this is the first part of six of a series where we're going to be talking about the return from rehab back to training, um, that transition and this is going to be broken up into episodes. Today is going to be common mistakes or common considerations that people often overlook when they talk about returning to training or re- returning to sport following kind of the completion of their rehab care Um, and then each subsequent episode we're gonna be diving more deeply into specific modifications that you can make for a certain movement pattern like if you are trying to pull for your lower body you're trying to squat or hinge or um, push and then upper body pull push so we're gonna split that up into five additional parts um, and we're going to dive into some good considerations that you can make when it comes to kind of modifying those movements and trying to organize your training after rehab. Um, so, like I said, today's going to be common challenges, common things that people overlook, and the common mistakes. That people make. So let's kick it off with you, John. Um, Go ahead and tell us what are some of the common things that you see on this this topic.
1: Well, I think it's important to just think about if you if you're injured and you've taken four to six weeks off from your traditional program, not necessarily rest, but you've modified a movement um, so that you can keep training in the gym. Um, it's important to note that you may not be able to return back at the same weight at the same volumes at the same intensities. so those are um, Besides exercise selection, which we'll get more into it's important to take into account. You may not go back be able to go back into your uh, You know five sets of five or your three sets of ten Or if you're looking at the macro and the total volume for a day You might have to make adjustments on that, too so um, and then intensities as well. Like you have to be okay with maybe taking a step back in intensity. And if you're a CrossFitter, taking a step back in being okay with a, a lower time in you know one of the standardized workouts. Or if you're a powerlifter, be okay with dropping the weight and building up over several weeks to make sure that you can come back appropriately in managing the intensity of your program. Um, so I think this oftentimes is, I mean all of us train in here. And I think it's hard even for us to take a step back in the gym um, when we do, but we have to make sure that largely that's ego driven when people don't want to take a step back or it's i I've worked so hard to get to this point. I don't want to, but you have to realize you already have kind of taken a step back because you've modified your program or you've been forced to take four to six weeks off. So you're going to have to be okay with managing intensities and maybe a little bit lower intensity um different volumes so that you can build back up and and often it does come back relatively quickly because you've already had that base right Right. um but sometimes when people do try to come back too quickly then they just end up in this circle of um hurt again or i took a step back where if you just kind of trust the process of all right i'm going to take a step back. I'm going to build up over the next four to six weeks. I'll be okay. I'll get it back quickly. Very often you can come back stronger because hopefully rehab has helped to solidify some of the the deficits that might've led to your injury in the first place.
2: Right. So like when you're, when you're thinking about coming back and you think about your capacity as an athlete to endure the loads of your regular training sessions you enter the injury process with a certain capacity, and typically that capacity is actually relatively high for your whole body with exception of the one area that has now become sensitized and injured. And then you come out of the injury process and you think like, well, I should be generally more resilient now because I've cleaned up a lot of these issues. But oftentimes while you're cleaning up all of these issues, you're not necessarily training at the same volume that you were prior to the injury. So the rest of your body, which was fairly adapted originally, now is actually at a lower capacity and you go to reintroduce even something that is oftentimes less than what you were doing before and you're still kind of in that overuse, overtraining, so to speak, phase. Um, And then so you can run into those subsequent issues. So I think that especially when you look at sports, like you mentioned, CrossFit, weightlifting, bodybuilding, powerlifting, whatever the sport is, those kind of training sports where the sport isn't actually dynamic, they're a lot easier to generally manage those loads because how much work you do is set, right? You're not running a scrimmage and you, you happen to take 17 shots on the soccer field rather than five shots. Like you're not measuring those things in that circumstance. So it can be more difficult to quantify what is my volume of single leg hops when I'm playing soccer because I'm sprinting, I'm doing a a series of hundreds of single leg hops. So it can be harder to quantify in that case, but I think that still considering everything that you do as a certain quantifiable load and recognizing that your capacity to manage that load or handle that load is significantly diminished from having kind of detrained and gotten away from all that stuff. Um, what,
0: What do you think, Troy? So I like um, how you talked about, you know, cutting down the weights, cutting down the intensity, everything like that. I also like how you mentioned kind of the macro, the overall volume and load that you're getting throughout the entire strength conditioning session. So if you look at a traditional strength conditioning, you're doing, you know, exercises A through D in your supersetting. You took some time off, now you're getting back into that. Yeah, you may have dropped down your weights, you're not doing as heavy as weights, but maybe you also need to cut back the overall volume. The A through D might be a little too much. Maybe it's too much for the cardiovascular system and you're you know getting winded a little earlier. You need a little bit of longer rest so that when you're getting into the next set, you're kind of ready for that. You're not having more technique folds from you know overexertion, and you're able to move through those movements in the efficient way. Um, It also goes down to, you know, which kind of exercises you're choosing, which we'll get into more, but say you're doing like a knee dominant day and you're going back to those A through D exercises and you're doing all knee dominant, quad dominant. If you jump into all of that volume too soon, then you can start coming into more you know, tendinopathies and irritating other parts of the body. Say you took time off your hip, but now you get back into all of that. And now the knee starts bothering, jumping back into that high volume.
2: Yeah. And there's always a ton of individual variation when you think of like, okay, how long do I need to plan out this ramp up in my training? Like I get done with my rehab, I'm going to reintroduce training. How long is it going to be until I get back to the amount of training I was doing before? And that's obviously has a ton of individual components, how long you are out, what the injury was, what you were training before, what you're looking to get back to, all of those things. But Nisha, when someone comes in and they're ready to get back to their training, maybe you're taking them as an online client and you're ramping things back up, but they want to know, when am I going to get to the point that... I'm training at the same level I was before how do you approach giving like that time frame for them
3: yeah for sure I think one of the key things is just what lies in one your expectation as an athlete and what you're going through and two the expectation as a PT of how you're going to communicate to that then to that so what's really important is that one you have to understand where that person started and what they expect to get to. You can't go in and say, no, you absolutely cannot get back to this because that's just going to set them back and they're not going to want to go back to whatever their sport is, whether they're running a marathon, whatever that is to them, that's important. So I think what really helps is giving an outline of how we're going to get to that end goal and setting very specific goals and how we're going to get there, building week by week. Something that helps me is not looking at like specific weight that we're lifting and comparing that to where you were but rather using like an rpe scale and say i care about your effort today right if you're giving me this effort what feels like an 8 out of 10 for you that's good for today because people can often get stuck in this just like uncomfortable and upset feeling of i'm not hitting my max but if you change kind of how you're looking at what you're actually doing to more of an effort base i think that can really Um, kind of empower that individual to get and meet those tiny little goals before they hit the big goal.
2: Yeah. So I I feel like we all ran into this issue, even with uninjured people with the quarantine. Obviously right now we're 2020, we're in October. So um, many of the people out there have been in some component of quarantine for the last six or so months. And even outside of injury, people went from training a lot to maybe not training at all or training very body weight or minimal stuff and then they're reintroducing things and they had no rehab process, right? They just went from a point of well-conditioned, lots of training to nothing, and now they're like, how do I reintroduce this back in? When you had those conversations with people for John or Troy or Nisha, were you giving people hard numbers in terms of like, hey, progress back up to what you were doing before in about four weeks or in about eight weeks or 12 weeks? Were you giving those general kind of guidelines
1: well, I think it was really interesting because that depended on what people were doing. And a lot of it was what do you have at home? A lot of people um, – what you saw coming in during you know March through October um, is a lot of overuse because a lot of it just turned into body weight. And there's only so many ways that gyms can program a six-day-a-week workout plan with – different push up, squat, split squat, you know, different body weight variations, right? So you're coming in with a lot of tendinopathies and overuse stuff because people were, in essence, overtraining because they still wanted to keep up with their workouts. Like They were the same intensities, but they weren't. Um, there wasn't the variation that you typically get in the gym. So then it was, hey, let's look at the overarching theme of your workouts, and let's take it a step back where if you're hitting, a lot of the recommendations I was giving during that time were, right if you're hitting things three times a week but then the other two days it's more of a cardiovascular long slow recovery type walk or you're going through a 30-minute mobility circuit where your heart rate gets up a little bit like those are how can we structure your program to make sure you still see progress you limit the volume um, of bodyweight exercises that you're doing and still promote recovery and health and cardiovascular fitness as well because a lot of the boot camps, it's people, the, the people that participate in those, even CrossFit and some of their sports, they just want to get in, get out, get as much done, as much work done as quickly as possible, and it's it's their therapy. So they need to get to the gym, but how can we manage the volume of the, the different variations of body weight stuff to, to keep them healthy?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I was getting some questions from folks, are like, okay, how do I reintroduce training? And... For me, like obviously, we know one week is probably not enough time, right? That's, that's way too quick. Six months, probably a little too slow. Like you've only been out for a few months, we probably don't need six months to get back in. Generally, I think that if you were to give a rough outline, I would say the amount of time that you sat out, you're gonna need at least 50% of that to reintroduce it. So if you are out for 12 weeks, you're going to need at least probably six weeks to build back in. Because like John alluded to, you do already have the adaptations there. You just have to re, kind of regain those.
1: Well, I, I think for a lot of people going through this pandemic time, it's just how can I maintain through to make sure that when things are back to normal, I can get back to where I wanted to as quickly as possible.
2: Right. So in some circumstances, people were good and they were like diligent with hey, I was doing five weightlifting sessions before, now I'm gonna do, I'm gonna buy a kettlebell and I have a 30 pound kettlebell, I'm gonna try to recreate as close as I can so that when things open up, I can get back. Other situations, I think people struggled with the motivation, had a complete lack of equipment and they weren't able to do anything, right?
1: Yeah, and and really to maintain, if you get a lift in a week, you can maintain for a pretty long period. If If you're giving that stimulus to the body once a week, you're going to maintain for a good amount of time right maybe you're not introducing the stimulus as many times as you want and for a variety of reasons um whatever but i think really to to maintain a training effect and or uh, keep what you have it doesn't need to be a three to five times a week lift right so then it's like what's the minimum doses that you can give to the system that's going to continue to help you make progress. And, and a lot of times a minimal effective dose is a lot less than you think it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I like what you had, Max,
0: going off the 50 percent. It's good to give somebody a general outline, a number that they can kind of you know see on the calendar and see an, an end date to it. But you know I think our most powerful tool with this return to whatever is our assessment you know going through them asking how they're feeling seeing what kind of weights they're progressing nisha you mentioned the rpe scale the eight out of ten you know is if they're doing this weight and they're only at a five or a six let's jump that weight up and that way we can keep progressing it. we can keep using our assessment see how they're feeling if they're having any aches or pains if they're still having any lingering issues with the injury or whatever reason they were taking time off of training but you know whether it's you know, every single session, bi weekly once a week doing some form of assessment so that we are sure that we're continuing to progress this through that time and getting that minimally effective dose and making sure we're continuing to push forward at the right pace.
2: Yeah, and I I think it's fair to say too, like certain athletes are going to be in a better circumstance with gyms closing than others, right? Like you have someone who's maybe doing CrossFit in which they do have to balance a pretty high volume of running and gymnastics but a lot of body weight kind of movements and then you have on the other end of the spectrum like a power lifter who he can't do anything near what he would usually do without a lot of weights so if he doesn't have a lot of weights his training is going to look massively different versus a you know a yoga practitioner probably isn't affected at all A baseball player probably minimally affected because they were maybe training with weights a couple times a week, but the majority of their training didn't necessarily require that equipment. So depending on what you were doing before, what your goal was, maybe the the quarantine component doesn't affect you all that much because you're not as dependent on those pieces of equipment to get the majority of your training in
3: i think another interesting perspective is beyond people having a different experience with covid whether that's access to the gym their training history maybe if they were working with someone and then something happened there's so much that has changed not even in our load of our training schedule but in our lives and that whole load of one stress or is your job now all at home and at the desk like that's a really important component that I incorporate during my evaluation through just understanding what does that person's life look like right now in this weird not normal time because that will totally change too what I deliver from like a rehab perspective
2: yeah and that that applies to the injury process as well like your mindset going into training post, uh, rehab is probably different than the mindset you had right before you got injured and I know for myself when I've had injuries going back to training I invariably feel much more apprehensive I'm much more kind of pain focused when I get back to training mm-hmm. so I'm like does this hurt is this gonna hurt is that gonna hurt and that can contribute to my ability to progress things at a different rate as well so that I think that that's a very good point with the kind of psychosocial component to there
1: so, we've talked about managing load intensity, minimal effective dose, and returning an athlete back from injury or anyone back from injury. How does that change, guys, when there's a time frame of competition on the other end where someone needs to be back in a certain amount of time? Um, one instance, Troy, you had a, a power lifter that was, he'd been training for 10 years to get to a 2,000 pound total, and he had his competition when he came to see, or four weeks Mm -hmm. and how how do you guys manage um when there's a time frame where you have this athlete who's been training for weeks months years for a specific competition or they need to get back for the playoffs or how does that how do you manage expectations in that return to play where we might need to push the envelope a little bit to ensure that this athlete gets or this person gets back to doing what they need to do because they, they've they been training for it for for a while. Right. And um, I think in that instance, you
0: know, education goes a long way. In that instance, you know, we may have to push through some of these eggs, some of these pains, but a big part of that is finding the right exercises finding the right modalities the right manual therapies whatever it is to give them some kind of relief so that they're still able to keep performance up but they're still able to push through whatever they're feeling because sure it is a short amount of time but ultimately we have this competition on the calendar and we need you to perform at 100% on that day so it's you know doing whatever it takes to get there and sometimes it is a little bit of education of Things may be uncomfortable, you might be feeling some sensations, but if we can you know, put off until then, hit that date, and then we can dial it back and let's focus on some of the other, the smaller things to help clear this up in the long run. But as of right now,
2: let's get you 100% for that date. Yeah, so I agree 100% that it comes down to two things in my mind. And one of them is, what is the goal? The goal with the rehab program may not be let me eliminate 100 percent of my pain and completely get rid of this portion of my life so that I can go back to doing everything I want to do. The goal is let me maximize my level of fitness and performance so that I can compete at the highest level that I want and doing so without you know creating any long term changes or even honestly, some athletes are probably fine with taking a hit and maybe even creating. Like, we talk about that study with what is it three out of five olympic athletes would die within five years if they were guaranteed a gold medal and so if if you have an athlete who's training for a competition maybe they do accept more risk of of issues down the road by just getting them to that competition we obviously want to mitigate that as much as humanly possible but the goal with rehab isn't necessarily always going to be reduce my pain on a linear slope all the way to zero it's going to be Can we just plateau this, make sure it's maintainable, manageable, get to the competition, and then we can address that afterwards once we've hit the performance goals that we wanted. Um, And then the other portion of that is taking those goals and then having the discussion to set the expectations of like, what are we trying to do here? Are Are we okay with extending the rehab process an extra four weeks so that we can get you ready in this four weeks coming up to compete? after which the rehab process is going to then progress more typically like you would you would expect or want to see um, when you're trying to manage an injury so I think in-season athletes are obviously a unique challenge to the PT but a lot of it comes down to reframing goals re-establishing a good expectation and communication for what those goals are and how the process is going to evolve over time um, and then it's just a matter of getting them where they want to be.
3: Agreed. I mean, our goals are the patient's goals. Otherwise, PT would be out of business if we just showed up and just had all our goals on the table. So I think it's super important to, like Troy said, lay out the education, kind of rule out the risk versus reward. Especially if there's something, if we're early in the training and something's looking red flaggy, then it's definitely a time to talk. Like if someone's training and they're running and you're thinking like a stress fracture is going on, that's an important time to kind of talk to that patient and really let them know like this is something that we might need to kind of reevaluate how we're gonna go about this. But if you're someone that things are looking good and we have some nagging pain, discomfort, different things going on, but there's something very important, competition, whatever that may be down the road, Absolutely, it's gonna be our number one job to help uh, not only get you there, but make you feel the best that you can, hit that, and then have that expectation of, okay, let's follow up, let's keep this open line of communication so that when you're ready to hit the next one, we're there with you again.
2: All right, guys, so I hope you enjoyed the first episode of this series. Um, We're gonna talk a lot more about specific modifications that you can make to your exercise selection, your movements, the way you distribute load, and the way that you program to approach returning back to the gym after rehabbing an injury and taking time off. Um, so we ho- again, I, ho- I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation and hope everyone's staying safe. We will talk to you guys in the next one, and thanks for listening.
1: Did you know we now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals. If you're interested in any one of these, please email john at j-o-n at precisionperformancept.com, and he
3: can help you get started today.